Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. My name is Ted DeMaison. I am Lisa Rowland, and we are your co-hosts on this curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. But today we have a very special episode because we have a very special guest. A very special guest named Dan O'Connor. We spoke with Dan O'Connor a while back when he published his first book called Life Unscripted, and he and his uh, co-author Jeff Katzman have published a second book called Ensemble, using the power of improv and play to forge connections in a lonely world. So we're talking with Dan about uh, facing loneliness and becoming parts of groups, all sorts of different groups that we we uh, we come to in our lives and how to participate well and joyfully with those groups. Yeah, heads up, as a Monster Baby listener, you get a discount on this book, a 35% discount. Big discount. Which is awesome. So. If you want the discount, go to NorthAtlanticBooks.com and, and use the code MonsterBaby35. That expires on September 30th of 2021. So get on it, people. Yeah. But uh, it's a great book. We'll, we'll tell you more. We'll, we'll give you that again at the end. But um, heck, let's get into Dan and the conversation with him. Let it roll. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. We are psyched. Last time we had you on, Dan, you had just written a book, uh, Life Unscripted, which is a great book. And and we love talking about it with you. And we had a great long conversation. And now you've gone and read another one. Well, you and your and your partner Jeff have written another one. Yes, Dr. Jeff Katzman, Man, Myth, and Legend. Does one of the three stand out, Man, Myth, or Legend? Uh he is, I, I have to say, just props to Jeff. I've been, I've been really lucky, and I've said this a couple of times, but my television writing partner, Steve Atinsky, and my improv for mental health writing partner, Jeff Katzman, are two of the nicest human beings I have ever met. And when Jeff and I started writing, uh, I was reminded of how, what a great uh, writing partnership I had with Steve Atinsky. But it's really, I mean, I could start weeping about um, how wonderful Jeff is, just in terms of collaboration and enthusiasm and um, patience, because writing with me requires patience. And uh, yeah, he, he's a, he really is a great human. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that's his, his best attribute is that he, he understands what it is to be human and he really embraces his humanity in a beautiful way. What a cool tribute. Yeah. And, and he's a great, like, just, I don't have kids. Edie and I don't have kids. So to also kind of be um, in adjacent to his family is also wonderful as well to see him parent and be a dad and, and all that stuff and, and co-parent and, that collaboration and the ensemble of his family unit, as opposed to my family unit, unit, um, it's it's always inspiring and educational and uh, terrific. Mm. That's lovely. Well, just the way you described him as being uh, aware of his own humanity, sort of like in, like entrenched and aware in, of his own humanity, has got to be a great quality to have as a parent. So you can sort of help cultivate an awareness in your 
children of their humanity of like the the way that the way that we are as humans and the choices we have as humans and notice your experience and all of those things I'm, we'll get into all of those things um but that's a as a parent i'm uh, i'm intrigued by that i'm like oh i'm attracted to that idea yeah it's 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 uh, i warm myself by the uh, fire of his humanity hmm. <laughs> Well, he's he'll be a a shadow participant in this podcast. And I love when you're talking about him and your partnership in writing that you two have formed your own little ensemble. And that's the whole thing of your book. Uh, we haven't mentioned the title of your book, Ensemble, Using the Power of Improv and Play to Forge Connections in a Lonely World. So, you know, hey, let's pretend we're, you know, let's pretend you're doing like a, a public publishing like a promotional podcast you're like what's this book all about dan tell us well uh, thanks ted thanks lisa <laughs> um it it's a book i mean jeff and i after we wrote the fir first book uh we we've been thinking about writing we've had a couple of ideas about books because i think the applications for improv are almost endless uh, with regards to non-improvisers, with those of us, mm -hmm. who, you know, civilians uh, in the improv world, but just uh, for the rest of humanity that doesn't improvise theatrically, um, there's tons of applications. And Jeff and I were talking about a lot of them. We and we we were both um, one of the catalysts was the fact that Theresa May had created the ministry-level cabinet secretary person as in England, in the, in the UK, as the minister of loneliness, mm. that it, it, it had gotten to a point where the government was like aware of this and uh, this, and this is before COVID. And we started talking about the ensembles that, uh, what it means to be part of, of an ensemble. And, and then of course, as we began to write the book, COVID happened, which really sort of mm. kicked us into gear with regards to the concept of ensembles and ensembling as a verb, which we've, we've made it into a verb to ensemble. So to, to answer your question, the book is about um, how, how we create ensembles, the ensembles we are in, whether we like it or not, like sometimes with work and family, uh, your family ensemble, you're, you have them as long as you are alive. How, what are the tools uh, to navigate that and make them stronger and to create pathways of better communication and, and clarity? Um, what it is to uh, uh, join an ensemble. One of the things that we talked about, we talk about in the book is the first member of the ensemble is yourself and recognizing what you, who you are in order to be part of something. Uh, and as we go, go through the book, uh, we talk about the various ensembles and various ways that improvisers use uh, improvisation to, to create ensemble together. And also we do look at, sometimes we're in ensembles that are unhealthy for us and that we need mm. to extricate ourselves from. And, and that doesn't make us a bad person if we, we need to get out of there. Get the heck out. Yeah, recognizing those things, recognizing how we can listen and connect better in order to be a better better part of all of our ensembles. I love it. I, 
I mean, it's such a great read and it was a really great read. You, I was lucky enough to read an advanced copy that the whole conversation about loneliness during COVID was just so spot on and kind of still lingering, you know, I mean, even though things have started up and retreated and started up and retreated, I find in myself that feeling just like that, that ache of, oh, I, who are, who are my people now? And you know, some of the groups that I was a part of either I've left or have dissolved, or it's hard to get back into the mix of things now. And so it's just, it feels like such an antidote. It reminds me, it reminds me of how the, I want to say the Surgeon General of the United States uh, said that the greatest public health threat was loneliness, like a few years ago under Obama, said that the oh, greatest, wow. like the, there's an epidemic, there's an epidemic of loneliness, and it is the greatest public health threat to to us, to us as a population, forget when it was. It was, yeah, it was a number of it was a number of years ago. But I was like, wow, it's it's not just like oh, it feels bad, or like it would feel better to have to have more friends or to be more connected. It's like no, it's a it's a public it's a it's a health issue. It's like a well being and health and health situation. It directly it uh, I think Jeff um, cites a study that. Uh, loneliness can take like 15 years off your life that hmm. that it is medically unhealthy for for uh it manifests itself in in that way and uh one of uh, one of the other uh things we talked about not only is in the book is not only is it unhealthy but it is very it's easier than we think to connect with people um so much uh, of the world, I'm holding up a phone for those of you who are listening. So much of the uh, world is is you to screen, screen to you, what have you, and it feels like we're participating, but this is not participation. This is a this is a one way thing. This is not an ensemble. You're not you're not ensembling with your phone. You you may engage with people over it. You may text. You may share things, but what we're talking about is connection and engagement between people. There's a great quote that we use in the book from Desmond Tutu, Bishop Desmond Tutu who says, humans are only, I'm paraphrasing right now, but humans are only human when they're in relation to other humans. And, oh. and, um, and that's very true for improvisers. You know, you, you, yes, you can do a solo show. Um, my wife does a, a one woman one hour improv show where she plays up to 20 characters. So you can do that. Mm -hmm. But but as far as the practicality of living and and being in ensembles, it's about our relation to others. Uh, one of the things we talk about, and I, I can't remember which improv teacher first taught me this, but one of my teachers said, every relationship is a story. And whenever mm -hmm. I'm working with people who are not improvisers, that that is something I say at the top. You, you, you all came here today. Maybe some of you don't know each other. You're engaging with each other for the first time. And what you do is you exchange stories. This is where I went to high school. This is where I'm from. But, but we, we engage with each other as, you know, thinking mammals, as reasoning mammals <laughs> uh, from, a, from a standpoint of narrative. Hmm. What's the... Well, okay. I'm thinking of hermits because you talked, you talked of, you talked of human to human. And I'm thinking of like some, there are some humans who live 
in in an, in a natural world and, and away from humans, perfectly happy. So they they might not be lonely. They're in solitude, but they might not be lonely, and they're in relationship with the larger circle of creation. Yeah. I, yeah, not yeah. The target, they're not the target demographic of yeah. the book. <laughs> yes. They're Fair not. Enough. They're not Fair really enough. who we're who we're focusing on. Here. Yeah, they would just use the books for kindling. Um, uh, the, no, but I'm so Ted. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's one of the things that we talk about in the book is that there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Hmm. There's a lot of people. I mean, my mother lives in the middle of Mendocino. In the, in the middle of nowhere. And so her human contact is very limited, but she's not lonely most of the time. Um, she's connected and, and enjoys her own company. That's, that's, that's something that we've talked about on our little virtual book tour is people who, who are good with their own company and not, not lonely and, and what have you. And then there are, there are obviously people who are not good with that and don't like being alone. So yeah, hermits are good with their own company. They're, they, they are not lonely per se. Um, they are, are alone. And, and Jeff makes the, you know, the teenage revelation thing. I, I think it was as a, as a senior in high school or maybe his first year of college, but he talks about in the book when he was sort of deconstructing and uh, I joked with him, were, were hallucinogenics part of this? But no, uh, uh, where he went when he realized apart, living apart and apart. Mm-hmm. And just that sort of um, uh, really um, digging deep into that thought of you are a part of society or you are apart from society. And so th- this is also was one of the things, it wasn't necessarily easy to write the book. We had to become sort of very well versed in loneliness in order to sort of look at it and the various ways that people can assume that they're not going to be able to join that ensemble or not going to be a part of whatever it is. And and I think I think maybe we talked about this when we were talking about the first book, but it still resonates with me that, you know, people walk into a party and they have that anxiety of everybody's looking at me, you know, I wore the wrong shoes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Nobody's, nobody, no nobody's one cares. That no yeah. one cares because they're too busy thinking about their, their own, their own stuff. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things we talk about is how, and this has happened a few times and I'm always so happy when it happens in real life where you meet somebody and uh, they're interested in you and they're asking questions and they're curious and um, they suddenly become the greatest person in the world because they're actually asking you about yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and Jeff and I talk about that the, the, the traditional thing is, you know, I meet Lisa at a party and she says, well, you know, I, I went, to, uh, went to school in the, near Palo Alto. And my first instinct is to go, I've been to Palo Alto, <laughs> as opposed right. to... Oh, really? What school did you go to in Palo Alto? What was Palo Alto like when you were there? And so, so there's that, that thing of, of being interested isn't being engaged and being an ensemble isn't just 
finding the places of connection between you or the similarities, probably more to the point. Mm -hmm. It's, Mm -hmm. it's being curious and being invested and being a good listener, actively listening. So all these things that we do on stage as improvisers actually turn out to be great ways to be a good human. I love this. I, I just have to say that I, um, I'm, I love the way that you both in your in your in life unscripted and this one have ma- have made verbs out of things that are that have been nouns, right? Like, <laughs> sort of like unscript unscript this story, sort of like tell yourself rewrite your story and ensemble with people because I feel like a lot of times with regards to human connection, there's this idea that it just happens if the chemistry is right, like it just happens. We you know, and if I don't if I don't have anybody that I connect with. It's because it's just bad luck and that it's sort of out of our hands. But I love the idea that ensembling with somebody means decide to connect with people. And here are really specific ways that you can do it. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's just so empowering because we can we can we can walk around with this superpower of connecting and we don't have to wait until it we just would have to wait until like lightning strikes and we happen to run into somebody who we click with. Like we can right. decide to click with people right. a little bit. Practice. Pra- practice that, that um, um, being a good human is practice. You have to choose to want to engage. You can't wait. I mean, I know as an actor, when I moved to LA, I sat on the couch for the first six months waiting for the phone to ring and waiting to be discovered. Uh, and and so I, somebody will find me. Someone will find me. I mean, I'm me. They've got to know. Uh, come on. <laughs> come on. And realizing, in fact, um, one of the things I've done over the last two years I've mentored, I think I could say mentored, mentored a couple of very young actors who've just moved to LA. And uh, with both people, I said, say yes to things, say yes, get involved, find community, find ensembles. Maybe you end up doing a bad play, who knows, but only by engagement are you going to, to, cultivate a career unless you get very lucky and you know get discovered at Schwab's you know that I it's just not it's not that's a very passive way of looking at it and I think one thing that we talk about uh one of the aspects Lisa I'm, I'm so glad that that you brought that up that it's a choice because I think and I wrote this down on for one of the book things most of us and I'm generalizing a lot of people live their life as observers. They're, 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 they're mm-hmm. kind of observing their life as they're going through it. And they're not necessarily in the moment, they're in the past or in the future, but they're not really there. They're observers, they're audience members in their own production. And uh, oh, wow. really, really what we need to do is to consciously choose to listen, consciously choose to be enthusiastic mm-hmm. for someone else's success consciously choose to take care of one another. And, and I think uh, because it's quite easy to move through life without making conscious choices, that it's the default, it's the easy thing. And really, if you think about life as being imperfect and that you're, you're always practicing, um, it's a, I, I, to me, it's a much less an- anxious existence. Mm. that I'm never going to be perfect. Um, 
but I can practice those things that I aspire to, those things that I, I want to make part of my life. You're, you're, play, you're playing with this, this word <clears throat> has got the, the dual meaning, right? So practice isn't like a sports practice getting better or something that practices in spiritual practice too. And so like becoming a good human is a, is a practice or is practice. It makes perfect sense in both directions. It sounds like it, like you're, you're saying, okay, here are the components that make up being a good human or a good ensembler. Uh, and that notion of coming back to this intention again and again is like, that's the essence of spiritual practice is like, I'm going to choose to bring my focus back to what it is I'm trying to create or how I'm trying to be or the kind of person I want to connect with. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I think, you know, we talked about this before and I know we've probably talked about this as friends offline that, that, what what we practice as improvisers is is sort of mindfulness on your feet and mm -hmm. so if if we can think about that one of the things that you know i've said this to improvisers of of many different stripes and many different experience levels when i can see that they're checking out and they're thinking about the next line or how do we fix the mistake that this person just made or whatever it is um, it's the same thing when you are meditating and you start to drift off into, you know, what am I going to have for dinner? You, you, you come back to the breath, come back to the breath, come back to the breath. And the same thing is true when you're on stage. And the same thing is true when you're having a conversation with your partner, come back mm -hmm. to them, come back to them, come back to them. And when you put your focus and your attention on the other person on stage or off, they feel seen, they feel they're going to be more vulnerable with you, they, they, uh, uh, they're going to be more present, and, and you're going to be more present, um, as opposed to drifting off and trying to manage your manage the moment or manage the relationship. So I think there's a real, a real difference between practice and uh, managing our lives, which I feel like a lot of people do. Um, and I know I do from time to time. I, I slip into things and I have to remind myself, just be here now. So mm. I wonder, the process of writing this book, like I can imagine that they're all things that you've thought about for years as an improviser and as, as somebody who thinks about improvisation and teaches improvisation and has been a part of ensembles and being interested in the ways that those skills apply I guess I'm curious about how this, how the process of writing has, uh, has shown up in your life. Like how, like, have you, have you become more aware of these things or shifted anything in the way that you've, like, can you talk about a way that you've made a choice in this direction? Yeah. I mean, it just, it literally, it literally just happened. Um, Edie and I were sitting outside having coffee and somebody sent her an article uh, about consciousness and how the brain, how when people work together, I, I wanna come back to this article, but, I, but that's not what this is about. So, so it was a really interesting article and it sparked a conversation for us about how we improvise and, and how ensembles improvise. And in the middle of it, I was like, God, I'm hungry. I really, I need to have something to eat. 
and I got to get ready for talking to Lisa and Ted. And I started to, I started to go ahead. I started to move ahead. And, and I just had a moment of going, oh, no, no, this is actually the most important thing in the world. And just came back into it. And we ended up talking for another 15 or 20 minutes. And, uh, and I found it really, really great. And I was thinking, <laughs> I started to drift away also going, thinking about how great it was. And yeah, I, had, yeah. I, had to, I had to catch myself and go, yes, it's yeah. great, but why don't you be here now? And, and just, so, so it's shown up, to answer your question, it's shown up in, in a lot of ways. And I'm still not, you know, perfect and will never be perfect. But I, I know that that example that I used a few minutes ago of, I've been to Palo Alto, is, is part of my conditioning. I have a tendency to, and I'm an improviser. So I tend to try and connect everything to my experience. And, and so I'm trying to be better at just listening and asking questions. And at some point there may be a, a place for me to say, I've been to Palo Alto, but that's not what the conversation is about. Cause that's kind of a conversation ender at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, there's no story to be, to be grown there. So it's shown up for me in airports. It's shown up with, with, with me with regards to compassion and empathy. Um, I really take a deep breath sometimes when, you know, dealing with TSA or whatever it is, mm -hmm. I just go, that's, that's, you know, you, you have no idea what this person has been going through and what their ensemble mm -hmm. is like. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not about you. It's not about you. It's just about being present. And, and, and sometimes actually I have a quick funny story. So I was in line at TSA. This is before COVID at LAX. And there was a kid, a very young TSA agent, and he was checking people's stuff going through. And he said, do you know what the average wingspan of the uh, swallow is? Monty Python. Which is a yeah. line from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. No one, no, I was five, six people back. No one responded in any way. They just kind of, they were just about the transaction. It was purely transactional. Nobody listened to him. So I'm, I'm in the back going, oh, I can't wait to get up there. And I, find, I got to him and I said, African or European? And his face lit up. Uh, and, you know, it was, it, was so, it was a great moment and we both laughed and I moved on. But, but, but just listening to people, just not asking, not telling them that you've also been to Palo Alto, but, but just the next question being, you know, that improv adage of if you're interested, you're interesting. It, the offstage version of that to me is being curious creates depth and creates ensemble. It create, creates mm -hmm. relationship. We talk about two, two different theater companies. Can, 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 I, can I pause sure. you for a second? Sure. Because there's, there's a point here that you're making that I, I just think is so beautiful, which is that we can make connect, connection not only through our similarities, but across our differences. That by getting curious about the ways that we're different and making space for that, 
then it's like a different kind of connection happens than just like, oh yeah, I went to, I'm, I know Palo Alto too. Cool. That's, that's great. That's a connection. But like, tell me more about what you're doing. There's something about this in, in all the, the diversity stuff that's happening in the world and the, the trying to be with new people and different people. It's like, how do we, how do we get across this seeming chasm what maybe it's a political spectrum of like i can't believe these people think this thing and yet there's got to be some way to get across there so uh, this is it's such an elegant notion i just wanted to highlight that so pardon me for interrupting but no no i i it's very um and we're starting to ensemble the three of us right now because my but that little story that i was about to go into was about two theater companies one in brooklyn and one in portland who have started using improvisation as a way to engage with local police and the people mm. that are in the community. And, wow. and so we, we've talked about how, when people play together, so, you know, the, and, you know, for, for those of us who've taught corporate workshops, a lot of the time, half the battle is just getting people to see each other as people rather than that, son of a bitch from HR, <laughs> you know, um, always that yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah is strip is stripping away the, the labeling, uh, which goes to the first book in terms of unscripting, but, but the next step of that is how do I see you as a human being? How do you see me as a human being? How do we have compassion for each other? And the policing community intersection of getting people to see each other as people as as Ralph and Tim and Erica, rather than just, you know, protester, BLM person, fascist, <laughs> you know, th there's so, so many labels. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and they've been very successful with regards to that because we, we are at the core wanting to connect. Jeff notes the still face experiment uh, about this mother and child. And I may have mentioned this the last time I talked to you guys, but it's very powerful um, because the child, this is a baby around Ramona's age, Lisa, who is getting all of her information from her mom and their relationship is, a, is going back and forth and building a narrative between the two of them. And in the study, they have her turn around at one point and give a still face to the baby. And the baby starts to, you know, to, like over, like, hey, 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 you know, waving and, and really you can see the stress happens within 15 seconds where the baby's world has now been, it's gone because yeah. that was the story that was being told. Uh, and then of course they, the mom comes back and the baby's fine and it, but it's, it's a painful 15 seconds to watch uh, because it's the absence of relationship. It's the absence of ensemble. It's the absence I, of story. It's so mm. powerful. And I'm, I'm another thing that struck me about both of those stories that you just told is the idea that like, it's I think it's easy to think about ensembling with people that are that are that we are in established group that we identify as our group, our family, our community, like our neighbors or our artistic ensemble or our workplace or whatever. And I just love that, like, on we can ensemble with the TSA agent, 
and we can ensemble with the people that like are walking their dog in front of our apartment that we can build a connection in this in this moment I guess I don't know I just love that like these opportunities to practice this are everywhere and part of what that takes is un going from a place of transaction or like well I am this person and they are I am this type and they are that type or I am this role and they are that role and they are we don't interact in this friendly way and so I don't even listen to the fact that this guy is asking me about what the land what the land speed of a swallow is um or 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 whatever it is that's a police officer and I'm a protester and that this is how we interact I mean or fill in the blank on the kinds of the kinds of roles that we play and the opportunities that we skip to ensemble because we don't think that that's our people. And, and that one of the things we uh, talk about is blue zones in the world where people live to, uh, um, to ripe old ages. And one of the things that they have in common is a sense of purpose and they have, a, and they have re, re, the relationships are very strong. Um, in fact, one of the one of the studies was about attributes of longevity, and right up there were health and exercise. But right at the very top was connection. Um, was you know how? Uh, in fact, both of us during COVID, like my my uh, walking around in LA in the neighborhood, uh, I was waving and saying hello to everybody. Because that's not something that normally I would do. I kind of, uh, and realized that it completely changes the narrative. It completely changes the relationship. To ask the TSA person how they're doing, it doesn't always work, or the, or the barista, or the person at the supermarket, how are you doing, is unfortunately exceptional for them. Because not everybody does that. Uh, I guess it depends on 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 where you are, but but to just um, to just see and be seen for a moment is narrative is ensemble. So I just did something like this. I guess it was yesterday morning, where I have been consciously trying to reach out to my neighbors a little bit, and I've been living in this place for seven years, and uh, you know neighbors just don't talk to each other. I'm in Daly City, a mile south from San Francisco. It's a lovely neighborhood that people are friendly, but, or people are nice, but so rarely connect. And I've like one by one at Christmas time, I, I brought the three most immediate houses, a, a gift, a, you know, a calendar I had made and I had extra copies. So I just brought a calendar to them. And, and then I reached out another layer, but yesterday, as I was walking to the post office, there was a guy coming home who was three doors down from me. And I was like, oh, here's an opportunity. So I just struck up a conversation with him. And there was something in me that that clicked into maybe it's because I had gotten your book. I don't know what the inspiration was, but I just thought I was gonna be curious about like, what does he do? Where is he from? And, and found out that he's working at home and doing tech stuff and he's got a kid and he likes to play basketball and his knee is hurt. And so he can't play the way he used to. And, but it was just a nice connection now. Okay. Now Zach is there. And so it's like the, I feel more in place in my own home because I know, okay, there's Zach, there's Danny and Judy, there's Duran, there's Brian's across the street. And he's the guy who helped me with the plumbing issue I had. And like, now it's like the, there are known people sprouting up from the 
soil. So when I walk back home from the post office, it's no longer house, 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 house. It's like, oh yeah, here are these folks I, I've got a connection to. And suddenly I feel more at home in my own home because of it. You feel a part of that, of your yeah. community instead of apart from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not, you become mm-hmm. a little, a little ensemble. This is, Dan, can you, you mentioned it briefly earlier when you were talking about, you mentioned the, the, a part, a part of, or apart from the insight that Jeff had, but when in the section of the book that you were, you guys were writing about that, you talked about how it's really important to be yourself before joining an ensemble or to get, to get stronger in your sense of self. Can you say a little bit more about what do you mean by that? Well, um, I think we, and Jeff and I, when I'm, I'm, I'm using the royal we, or no, I'm not using the royal the actual we. actual plural we. Uh, but the actual plural we. The surf we. We um, were focusing in Life Unscripted about how we live our lives. A lot of people live their lives based on how they've been labeled by their family by their friends you'll never be a good basketball player you'll never you you can't you can't you don't sing well you know or whatever it is when we started working on this we were thinking well that this is the next step to that once you unscript from what that label is or stuff that feels to you disingenuous about your life and start being yourself that then you are in a place where now you can engage with other people and begin to ensemble. Because you have to know who you are. Because um, Jeff makes this point. There's some people, and I'm, I'm sure in, in improv classes you've seen this and, or in work environments you've seen this, where there are some people who are so eager and so they just do everything that you want them to do. That's not necessarily a great place to be all the time you you need to find that calibration in being on the ensemble where you actually have uh, uh, your own point of view and you're you you are an individual and then there are some people who are you know hover on the who do who do not join in and i think what we were trying to say is when you can be your own ensemble to begin with, then it makes you open to engage with others, hmm. to engage in other ensembles. Do you and did you and Jeff talk at all about the notion of being an ensemble with your different parts? It's like internal family systems kind of stuff. Like oh, I've got yes. all these different personalities and I want to have my person, my the parts of me working together in concert. Yes. We actually talk about status. From the standpoint that, uh, you know, in improv, we use it as a theatrical tool to heighten things in a scene, make things more dramatic or more, or more distinct. Um, but we talk about it from the standpoint, like when, when, when you go with your partner to your in-laws, you're, you are, uh, to a certain extent, lower status because your, your partner is running point. Your partner is the one who knows the territory knows where the landmines are and uh, is going to is going to be the driver, for lack of a better descriptive. And that that's an improv term that means to to basically drive the narrative. And then when 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 you 
are taking care of your partner in your family ensemble, you, to a certain extent, have higher status because you have you know the terrain and the personalities. There was something else in there, Ted, and now it's just gone away. I can't remember what else you asked. I'll trust. <laughs> I'll trust. So let's pause here and uh, we'll continue our conversation with the second half, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us, but, but don't go anywhere because we want more. We want to hear more of what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, thanks. I can't wait to hear what I say in the second half. Let's find out. On we go. Part one is done. Reminder, if you are intrigued by this and you're like, I want my hands on that book. I want to learn how to fight the specter of loneliness. Uh, MonsterBaby35 is your code at NorthAtlanticBooks.com. And that'll expire September 30th. Uh, remember, we're sticking around with another episode conversation with Dan O'Connor, continuing the, the conversation we had. And uh, we're going to get into some good stuff around uh how do you expand an ensemble? How do you bring new people in when you've got massive change happening in a group? So good stuff. Come listen to the other episode, uh, or if this is the only one you're staying with us for, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you. Yeah, we'll catch you next time.